This is Glenn Crooks on Frame. On Monday, a New York City FC conference called ahead of the club's first ever CONCACAF Champions League appearance. It'll be Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, carried on FS2, New York City FC at San Carlos in Costa Rica for the first of two legs in the round of 16. New head coach Ronnie Diley has been organizing the team since the start of preseason on January the 11th, just five days after he was hired. He'll be on the call along with fourth-year goalkeeper Sean Johnson. For Dyla, uh, he'll detail the short amount of time they've had to prepare, often without uh, his full complement due to injuries, although they are minor, uh, against a team that is in the midst of their season. A lot of other questions will uh, be uh, given to Dyla by a small group of reporters who cover the club, including myself. There's colleagues Ivis Galarsip, Goal.com, Ryan Gerbalsi uh, from Newsday, Jack Nissi, New York Post, Dylan Butler, Pro Soccer USA and MLSsoccer.com, and Michael Anderer from Blue City Radio. The same group then uh, will have some questions for Sean Johnson who, in the midst of his responses, puts in a player's plea for supporters to make it out to rival Red Bull Arena on February 26th, the second leg of Champions League. Also in this episode, Inter-Miami CF beat writer Michelle Kaufman of the Miami Herald will offer a preview of the expansion side who opened their season against the Supporter Shield winners last year, LAFC, and they just signed a Mexican star, who scored the club's first goal in a regular scrimmage. All right, here now, we take you inside Monday's conference call with Ronnie Dyla and Sean Johnson. Ronnie, uh, thanks for thanks for taking the time. Uh, obviously, Champions League starts off, and, and MLS teams historically haven't done so well in the knockout rounds here. You guys are at a disadvantage considering where you are in your season, uh, just starting the season. How do you feel about where your team is right now? And, and overall, now that you've had some time with this team, what do you like the most about the group? I have to say it's uh, it's of course very early in the in the season when we we have only been together for a month. So um, and also we had some small injuries on on the way also. So um, it's it haven't been that consistency in the in the in the lineup. Uh, but having said that, we. We have been working uh, hard and uh, training good, and the boys have been very, very disciplined and and and, um, and really made a good, a good effort. So, so I think we we are ready to play games now. I think we started, uh, you know, now it's good. Uh, everything is starting, and uh, some serious game is coming up. So, so we will be ready. We uh, we have watched uh, San Carlos and. Uh, we know we're going to meet a team that is uh, coming far in the more far in the season, but at the same time we we feel that we have good control of what they are doing at the same time. So, so that was answer with the question one and the question two is uh, you know I think it's a lot of quality in the in the squad, uh, it's a lot of good football players and um, it's good consistency. Um, I think also that very good togetherness in the group that's uh, help. Uh, they they want each other well. Um, and um, and uh, fighting together, and um, I think just what if we get to know each other even more, we will get uh, more and more uh, rhythm in in everything we do. So, um, but so far, I think um, everything has been good. Hey, Ronnie, how's it going? 
good. You know, hasn't, hasn't been too much time so far, uh, you know, in between when you guys first started uh, these training sessions going on the road for them and where we're at now. How have you been able to make your mark specifically on this team in this short time? Uh, we've been working uh, a lot on the pitch and I uh, have, of course, uh, some meetings in front of training and things like that. So we, I think uh, it's been better reactions in the team when we lose the ball, um, that we are good in transition. Um, I think offensively that we are starting to to build a pattern from from behind that uh, they can recognize. Uh, and we also been working uh, in um, in the last third of the pitch as well that we we need to get more triangles in the last third, so we also go more wide, not only in centrally. Um, and the last part is also that we hopefully now can also score more set play offensively. We've been working also with that that part. I think that's a thing we can be better from from last year. Hey, Ronnie, how's it going? Um, I'm just curious, with this game obviously being a Champions League game, the first game of the season, um, how do you navigate that as a, as a manager when the first game of the season is maybe the most important one of the season? Uh, I don't think you can uh, think like that. You have to think that uh, you have to go out and, uh, and make a good performance. So we have to give all the information the players need to know what uh, San Carlos is. Um, and then at the same time, we have to work with the things that we, we are doing. So, because we need to have consistency in what we are doing. So our pattern, how we want to play, has to, to shine through when, when we are playing. And if we do that good enough, we will win football games. And uh, and we want to do that now as well. It's important away game in uh, in Champions League. You need to uh, be good organized and you, you need to be patient um, and know what this is, is two legs um, that we're also going to get them in New York. And that's, um, that's important to think about when we go into these games. Hey, Ronnie, uh, curious about San Carlos, considering where you think you are with your team at this point and trying to get all your points across, uh, what are your greatest concerns playing them after uh, seeing them, I'm sure, several times? Uh, I think they're strong on set play. They are uh, quite direct, so it's going to be that we have to handle the space behind the defense and also the second balls, um, that we are in good balance in the in the center of the pitch. Um, and, of course, I see also uh, advantage that they have played uh, a lot of games uh, the last uh, three weeks. Uh, having said that, we see also things that we can take advantage of uh, and um, things that we we can exploit uh, and so we can win again. What are your center backs when you talk about uh, doing well with that space behind? So Maxime Cheneau, uh, there, there was a video from training that, that you put out frequently, and he's, got, he's wearing a mask of some sort. Um, and I know you said everybody's available and ready to go, but can you, can you define what happened to Cheneau? And, and uh, he's definitely 100%. Yes, he, he, um, he, he got a problem with his nose uh, in the game against Inter Miami. So he... Um, he was getting a mask to, to play with, but I don't think he's going to use it. It looks like he took it off in training today. So uh, he's a tough guy. So he's uh, he's uh, sacrificing everything to, to get into this game. So he feels okay. Um, but uh, maybe he 
he needs to do something uh, when he comes home to New York. Hey, Ronnie, the, uh, you obviously have this game coming up, and that's, and that's the one you're focusing on, but um, there, there's a potential for some, some fixture congestion with the league starting up as well. Um, how, how well do you think you are in terms of your squad depth to, to kind of deal with that? And, and do, do you envision like uh, a mixed lineup for the, for the start of the league season? I think we have to see game for game now in the beginning, and then how we're going to play two games in. Uh, you're going to have six days between the two games now. Um, if the game goes very good in uh, in uh, Costa Rica, then we have to see the two next games together and see how we can put uh, put two lineups and who can play two games and who can cannot do it. Um, if it doesn't go so good, we we need to think it maybe a little bit otherwise. Uh, but uh, we have a depth in the, the squad now, so that you know, that everybody is uh, ready for the game. Uh, that we can that's going to be an advantage for us in the in the beginning of the season. So I haven't said that when I said everybody is uh, injury free. I don't say they're fit because there's a lot. Uh, some of the players haven't played games for a long time, and that's. Uh, but you have to play to get to get fit as well. So we, we need to just manage the squad right so we don't get any more injuries. And at the same time, also, we get the best out, the best team available every every time to, to win games. Coach, in uh, in the first couple of preseason games, you played what looked like a, a 4-4-2. And I'm curious, uh, since the uh, you've had more time with the team, have you seen anything that's uh, made you want to change a formation? Or are you still... Uh, Trying to hold true to uh, to what you've done in the past. Uh, we we have played uh, we played in the beginning four four two in the last game. I don't think that was so uh, that was so good. We we changed in the break and we were a totally different team in the other team than the other other half in the second half. So I think we are best in four two three one and or four three three with two eights. That's uh, the best formation. But at the same time. If we need goals, we can also go up with two uh, two players in front. So uh, we haven't worked that much with with that. We're more more with um, have three three players in the center of the pitch, and I think that's uh, that's what's the suited him best right now. Ronnie, I wanted to ask you about uh, Keaton Parks, uh, one of your midfielders. He he's he's coming into his first full season with the team. He 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 uh, he was on loan last year. Now he signed permanent deal. What what have you thought of him so far? And then what what, what do you like about his overall game? He's a box to box player. I think he's a, a very very good uh, uh, runner. So he can go uh, go both ways. At the same time, he's uh, he's uh, good on the ball. He can come down and uh, and uh, make a difference in the build up. He's a very Good boy that uh, is uh, eager to learn and eager to to grow and have ambitions. I think uh, he has a, a good potential, very good potential, and um, he's still very young and and can develop a lot. So I'm I'm enjoying working with him and I'm I'm looking forward to the future to work with him as well. He should score more goals. That's the only thing. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Ronnie. I'm wondering how the uh, two-legged matchup changes how you approach this first game as a manager. Does, is there more of a tendency to want to sit back and just get home so that you're in best position to make things happen when you get when you come back home? I think it's important that we go into the game that we are feeling secure, but 
I think this team is very into pressing. They are used to press, so it's, uh, I think to change everything and sit back will be uh, too much a change for them. So we, I think we have to be good in uh, in uh, variating the pressure. So when we have opportunity to press high, we have to do that, and also uh, when we are pre- when we when we can't do it, we get lower and, and be compact and uh, and uh, and stay together. Because if we start pressing all over the pitch in that heat, we we're more um, vulnerable to to uh, get through us, be played through us, and and that they open us up. So I think the, to to be pressing wise. Uh, can variate the press and also on the ball, of course, uh, that we are also variating the play. There's uh, clearly been a bit where the spaces are. If uh, if the spaces are in behind, we have to use that uh, when when that's there and also get the game into our way with uh, with good uh, build up from the back. You know, just being with this being the first Champions League match, as you know, and um, you know New York struggling to get over the hump a little bit in the playoffs recently. What would your message be to fans that maybe are a bit frustrated with the, where the club's going and, you know, why they should kind of uh, believe in your project going forward? Well, I think uh, the last years, uh, maybe people are a little bit uh, unhappy that we haven't won yet. But uh, having said that, it's been, I think it's been a lot of progress with this team the last year. So uh, I don't see actually what you're meaning about that. But um this is the first experience we have with the Champions League. Um, you know, the best clubs that have a lot of experience in uh, in the league and also in the in the in the different cups. So we are still a young club, uh, and we I think we have had unbelievable results last year. If you think about how young the club is, so so I think we the fans and everybody understands that uh, we need to. Keep on building on that. What we can do is to keep the knowledge about the league and about the, uh, the cups as well inside the, the squad, and that's what we're doing with uh, having consistency. So I think that's going to be our biggest advantage uh, over the other teams. But we we haven't changed a lot. We have players who have played a lot together. Ronnie, could you talk about the integration of Nick Cushing? He uh, wasn't there at the start, uh, completing his. Uh, his time with the Manchester City women, you know what what some of his specific roles are uh, within your group, and uh, part two, the uh, th- there seemed to be a preliminary roster that was put out by Concacaf uh, for this first match, and I'm wondering if uh, you anticipate there'd be any changes. I, I, I suppose you still have some time to uh, to make some tweaks to that roster. Yeah, uh, we uh, JP is uh, had a little bit of trouble with uh, a disease, uh, so he's he's not in uh, in that uh, roster. If he was, I don't know what 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 kind of roster you have seen, but uh, I think we have made the final one. Isi as well um, is come is back, but uh, I think it's a little bit too early to put him on the on the on the pitch. He needed some more trainings to before he is he's into that uh, squad. But he will he will be in uh, Costa Rica and, and train with us in, on Wednesday. So that was the one was the one question more. Just uh, regarding Nick Cushing. Yeah, Nick, Nick, yeah. Uh, Nick, yeah, Nick uh, I'm happy that he's here now. You know, we've been waiting for him for uh, some weeks now. So He's been working really good together with us now in the first week. He, of course, in the beginning, it's a transition that he needs to be get to know how I'm thinking and how the 
squad are, get to know everybody. But uh, I think that also went very quick. And the last three days has been very active on the on the pitch, um, and they had a lot of responsibility with the play from behind uh, these two days, uh, three days, and. Uh, also, he's, uh, of course, the, the closest guy to to talk with me as well. So, I'm looking forward to, I think it's been very good so far, and uh, I'm looking forward to the future with uh, with Nick. Yeah, Ronnie, just um, following up, you mentioned, you know, some, some players haven't necessarily played in, in the preseason. Um, one of those one of those guys, I guess, is, is Anton. Is that going to be one of your tougher decisions? Because I guess Joe Scali, right, has, has performed well for you in the in the preseason. Yes, it is, of course. And also you have Maxi, who hasn't trained, uh, played a lot of games, so, but he also training. So uh, we had, um, have some decision to make. But again, it's a positive uh, decision. It's, um, you know, it's uh, so many games coming up. The most important thing that we we put on a team that we feel is the best to win the game at the same time that we don't get in any stupid injuries because we use people too early. So has to be be good communication between the, the player, uh, the medical, and me. Coach, uh, you're, you're obviously talking about managing players getting fit and also uh, having time to, to work on the programs and the, and the routines you want to develop on the field. Can you talk about what a normal day has been for the club over the last couple of weeks uh, when you've been in both California and, and Florida? Are you doing two-a-days, or how, how's that been working? Uh, so we uh, we had trained uh, um, every second day twice, and one day every day on the pitch. Uh, Try to have one day a week off, but we have trained uh, twice uh, Monday, uh, once uh, on Tuesday, and then Wednesday do two again. So it's been, um, but the second has been in the gym, um, and then a normal day is like. Uh, up in the morning, uh, eight at breakfast, and then uh, meeting before training at ten o'clock, and training from eleven to twelve thirty, uh, and then lunch, and then um, the staff is meeting again. And we go through the training and workouts, if uh, make us ready for the day, the day after, and um, then the players also when they have to go into the gym at uh, four thirty again to to five thirty six o'clock. So it's been. Um, there is always a challenge, you know, when you're, it's fantastic to be around the U.S. and uh, in a fantastic weather, but um, it's been a long period uh, that we have been away from, from our families and, uh, and New York. So um, that's uh, something to, sometimes you have to break up a little bit to, to give them something off so the, so we don't get too, uh, too tired of each other. That's New York City head coach Ronnie Dyla ahead of the CCL opener on Thursday at San Carlos in Costa Rica. I think uh, some of the things that stood out, Ishmael Tajiri Shradi, who was training on the side for the early portion of preseason, then deemed fit for a scrimmage against Orange County on Feb 4. Well, he's been held out of competition since. Won't be available on Thursday, but he's been training full with the team this week, so it's not expected to be a lengthy absence. We learned that Maxime Chenot, I would think has a, a fracture of some sort to the nose. Not too severe in a closed-door scrimmage against Inter-Miami on February 12th. That's where he suffered it. Uh, sounds like he'll tough it out on Thursday, uh, but then uh, maybe some sort of a doctor's appointment 
when he returns to New York City. Also learning that after utilizing a 4-4-2 setup in the early preseason games, Dyla seems to have committed to either a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, uh, the shape with three midfielders, which he feels is best for the team. And we learn that his biggest concern against San Carlos is defending set pieces. While you also heard how New York City is trying to improve on attacking set pieces under Dyla, a thing he said can be better than last year. Also on Monday's call, City goalkeeper Sean Johnson. Now his fourth season with the club with an experienced group of backs in front of him, including Ronald Matarita, who he faced in a U.S. men's national team friendly against Costa Rica on February the 1st. That was a 1-0 clean sheet for Johnson and the Americans. As with Ronnie Dyla, here's Johnson answering questions from the small group of reporters on Monday's conference call. All right, uh, Sean, I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the, the state of the defense. Obviously, last year you guys, I think, allowed the fourth fewest goals in the league. Uh, but Ronnie made mention about want, wanting to, to, to make the defense even 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 stronger, even tougher. Do, do you get that sense that, that there's going to be more of an emphasis on defense going into this year? Yeah, I think uh, obviously we wanted to you know take the the good things from last year um, and continue to do those things and continue to improve on things that um, you know obviously the coach uh, feels that can make us better. And I think he's done a really good job of of coming in and implementing um, certain defensive principles uh, that'll help us um, continue to, to get better defensively and continue to shore up things around the back. Um, so it's been uh, it's been a good preseason. Um, the preparation's been good and defensively. Um, I think we've definitely gotten stronger as a unit and uh, really looking forward to getting out there and, and, uh, and showing it. Uh, just as far as philosophically, obviously, when, whenever there's a coaching change, you always wonder how the transition's going to be. How has that transition been going from Dome's philosophy to, to Ronnie's philosophy? Yeah, I think um, obviously, you know, being um, City Football Club, I think we, um, you know, we we obviously want to have a certain style in how we play, and um, he's brought his ideas in, um, and, uh, you know, we've retained a lot of the same players that we've had um over the course of last year, and then obviously added some some good pieces as well since since Ronnie's been here. So um, I think you know it'll be be exciting. Um, things have been been great. Uh, the adjustments been um, I think made a lot easier. Um, you know from from us players um, to Ronnie, from Ronnie to us, just being really open um, to really getting to know each other and, and learning how how everybody works. So it's been uh, it's been a really good experience so far. Hey, Sean, thanks for taking the time. Uh, you've been around the league for a while now, played in some big games, some MLS Cup playoff matches. Where does the Champions League rank for you? And does this feel like as big of a match as it should be, uh, given how early it is in the season? Yeah, you know, I think obviously excited to play in Champions League. It's, uh, um, you know, a competition I think we've, we've all um, had, had in our sights for a while. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely, you know, that's been our focus over the course of, of preseason, always preparing for the, the first, the first meaningful game, um, and, and trying to have progress along the way. Um, so yeah, the feeling is definitely, I think one of, uh, the utmost importance, um, for us to get started off on a good foot, playing a good opponent away. Um, you know, it's, uh, no matter what time in the season it is, I think we have to approach it with the right mentality. And I think we have the right group to do that. Hey, Sean, um, you've been at the 
club for a few years now, obviously. What has changed and what's grown within the club uh, maybe since you've been here that's allowed it to reach the Champions League uh, for the first time? Yeah, I think uh, we've built, um, you know, year after year, um, just continuing, like I said earlier, to improve on the things, uh, you know, we felt necessary to get better as a team and continue to do the things that we've we've done well um, is really important. And just being being honest, um, obviously the culture has been been fantastic. Uh, the players we have have really embraced that. Um, we've you know, the, the the core core spine of the group that's been here uh, for years is uh, I think welcomed in uh, new players and new faces um, with with open arms and made sure that the adjustment's been um, you know something that we can can really call, you know, a family. Um, that's, that's a big word that we, uh, we use here at this club. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a great experience, um, as a, as a veteran player to kind of, to be a part of that. And, uh, and obviously looking forward to, to the years to come. Thanks, Woody. Hey, Sean, uh, I want to ask you about two coaches. Uh, one, your keeper coach, when you look at the beginning of the franchise, you weren't there at the time, but four coaches, six years, and he's survived, all those coaches. Let us know about Rob and how important it is that he was retained by this uh, current staff. Yeah, Rob's uh, he's a really important piece, you know, uh, for me, especially you know, my time here at the club. Um, he's been, you know, tremendous with me. Um, our working relationship has been great. Um, you know, he's uh, he's definitely a top class goalkeeper coach, and um, you know the, the amount of time he puts into the detail um, of, of what we do, um, you know, with, with the team as goalkeepers. Um, yeah. I couldn't, couldn't ask for, couldn't ask for a better goalkeeper coach. Um, and uh, yeah, our relationships grown, you know, over the years. Um, I'm really happy to have him, but it was, uh, it was something that was really important to me, um, you know, being here um, for the, for the first two years to make sure that he was, uh, he was a part of uh, the journey going forward. Um, you know, with, with our group of goalkeepers. So I was really happy um, to, to continue to have him on board, and he'll, he'll continue to be a really important piece of what we have going on. Sean, when there were goalkeeper uh, or coaching changes uh, from Patrick to Dome, Dome uh, to Ronnie, were, were you ever consulted at all? Did, uh, were you ever asked, hey, uh, about Rob, you know, and, and, and retaining him? No, I think, you know, the – you know, the types of, you know, questions in terms of Rob were never, his, he was never in question. Um, I think everybody really knew his quality and, and understood his quality. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always been, um, I've always spoken highly about him, you know, since my time at the club. So there was, there was no, no even need to really question, um, you know, his place here and, and what he, he means to me and what he means to this club. I think it shows every single day, um, you know, the, the work he puts in, um, and obviously with, with, uh, with new staff, um, you know, having to, to adjust and, and getting to know each other um, in terms of from Rob to Ronnie and Ronnie to Rob. But, you know, like, like every other coach, I'm sure that that adjustment um, will, be, will be smooth and, and he'll, he'll get to learn um, to love his, his, uh, his qualities as, as everybody has. Hey, Sean, uh, you, you followed this competition, Champions League, um, for a few years. You, you watched um, – different MLS teams, some get really close, others uh, struggle in it. Um, what is it about this team that you think, whether it's having so many returning parts or the depth, what is it about this team that you think you can maybe navigate some of those 
some of those pitfalls that um, not only affect teams in the Champions League, but obviously then kind of carry over during into the season. Yeah, I've uh, kept a close eye on the Champions League over the years. Uh, it's been an exciting competition. Um, I think for most clubs that have been involved and now now our club being involved in Champions League, um, I think you know what's what's important is um, you don't look too too much to to trends and, and what past trends have been. I think you know the the road ahead for us um, is going to be unique. Um, it's going to be uh, something that we have to to navigate as a group. And I think uh, an important piece is that this group has a lot of players that have played together for quite a bit of time and understand each other. We've been through good moments. We've been through tough moments. Um, and I think it's going to gonna be up to us to draw on those those moments of experience uh, to make sure that we have a successful campaign uh, going forward here in Champions League. John, uh, yourself and a couple of other players were away for international duty. I'm just curious, when you guys got to camp and were able to join up with the team, were there anything anything that you uh, – Noticed right out of the bat that kind of said, "Okay, this is a this is a new camp. This is a different uh, different coach than last year." Yeah, I think you know talking to some of the players, obviously kept in touch when I was away, so I wasn't disconnected from the group. You know, spoke to the coach uh, when he first came in, um, had a good conversation with him, um, you know, about his his expectations, um, just kind of what was going on with national team camp, and um, you know, I've always been on the same page, but just coming in and. Um, I think the the biggest thing I noticed was was the energy you know surrounding surrounding Ronnie and, and what he brought to this group. I think um, you know obviously his his career uh, speaks for itself um, in terms of you know his success with with other clubs and, and now having him here just to get to experience it, having been here now for for a couple of weeks or a few weeks, uh, you really see the type of personality he has and what he what he brings out of what he brings out of guys. Um, we have a talented group of players and he's, uh, he's definitely brought, um, you know, philosophies and, and also an unbelievable energy to our group that I think will, will help us out tremendously. Uh, Sean, I wanted to ask you about a couple of younger guys on the team. Um, Keaton Parks and James Sands, obviously Keaton uh, first year last year with you guys. And after a slow start, he really started to come on second half of the season. What have you thought of his development? And as far as James goes, obviously, you know, he had, he had some injuries, but he still, for his age, he really had a big role to play. What do you see for him in 2020? Yeah, Keaton, uh, let's speak first about Keaton. He's, uh, he's a great kid. Um, I was really happy for him in, in the season he had. Uh, you know, I, I, last year was a, a, a big learning experience for all of us as a group um, in, in terms of how we started the season and uh, compared to how we ended the season, I think he, he really embraced that, um, developed um, wonderfully as a player and, and got the, the experience he needed. Um, James, also great talent, um, great kid. Um, you know, happy, happy to have him a part of this, as a part of this group. He's, I've been, been able to watch his development over the years um, since being at the club, and uh, he's just gotten better and better every year, and I think the sky's the limit for, for both those guys. Um, you know, as long as they keep doing the same things they've been doing, and um, they'll be uh, they'll be just fine. Oh uh, yeah, just as far as the follow up on James, if, if Sean, have you seen James kind of come out of his shell a bit this 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 preseason? Is he is he opening up a little more in terms of personality wise? I mean, James, I, mean, I think James has always been he's always had personality. He's always you know he's always been a kid that's been very uh, level headed. He's been very calculated. 
very respectful um, to his teammates, um, always willing to learn and, and help out others. And I think, you know, as, as James starts to uh, take on uh, more, more of a responsibility, a role of responsibility, a role of leadership, um, I think you start to see a lot of those qualities come out, but, you know, we, we see it on a daily basis and um, he's, uh, he's definitely going to be an important piece of what we have going on. Sean, with, uh, you know, there's four trophies up for grabs for you guys this season. There's a lot of different fronts that you're going to be battling on. What are, is the ultimate goal? What's the expectation? And what would make this uh, a successful season for you? Yeah, I think success for our club, obviously, um, we want to continue to build on what we what we did last year. Um, you know, winning winning the Eastern Conference, I think I think lifting lifting a trophy um, obviously is, is the, the goal, you know, for our club, but we want to take it one game at a time. And uh, we know it's going to be a long year and, you know, involved being involved in multiple competitions. You can't get too far ahead of yourself. It's good to set goals, but I think, you know, if you, if you really take things one game at a time, first game in champions league, first game of the season, first game of open cup, um, you know, having that mentality will, will able to piece those things together and come the end of the season. I think you'll have, you know, if, if approached the right way, uh, you'll be in a really good position to to, to really lift something. Sean, uh, your previous two coaches, building out of the back was certainly uh, one of their mantras uh, in different ways. Uh, Ronnie talked about Nick Cushing. He's arrived, and one of his responsibilities is the play from behind, so I'm assuming that you're involved with, the, with that with him. Can you um, distinguish a little bit? Uh, is the building out of the back going to be, are, are there different things that have been added into the repertoire or is it all pretty similar? I think it's pretty similar. I mean, you know, you look at kind of the DNA of our club and like the DNA of, you know, city football. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's going to be, obviously there's going to be things that we, we work on and, and little tweaks that we make. But I think, you know, from, from our standpoint as players, you know, build, building up, um, the goal is, is advancing the ball into the opponent's half with, with control. And, uh, Nick, you know, uh, has done, um, a great job of, of, of helping, um, you know, break down, uh, different scenarios and, and make things, you know, more clear. You can always, always take things on, um, you know, from, from a different perspective and, and add to, like I said, you know, the success that we had of doing that last year. So I think it's going to be exciting. Um, you can expect to to see, you know, a lot of the, the, the similar things that you, you saw last year, but I'm sure we'll, we'll approach, you know, some situations a, a bit different as well. Hey, Sean, kind of um, piggybacking a little bit off of Ivis's theme about the young guys, Joe Scali um, is a guy that you've had there for, for a few years. Um, he's kind of been waiting for an opportunity. Um, he's had some unfortunate injuries. What, um, in, in the time that you've been in camp, what um, have you thought about him and, and maybe this chance to to get some minutes this year? Yeah, Joe's a, Joe's a great player. I mean, I've been around Joe for more than just this year. Um, he uh, you know holds himself you know with with uh, you know a, a good standard of professionalism. I think both on and off the pitch. Um, he's obviously he's young, but he's he stepped into a group um, that I think you know is committed to. To being successful, and he's he's taken that taking that responsibility on, um, and I think you know he's he's going to continue to develop. Um, he'll be a great player, and uh, you know hopefully he can continue you know the progress that he's that he's had, and and uh, I'm sure minutes are uh, minutes are in his his near future. Sean, you're obviously focused on the game coming up on Thursday, 
but I need to ask you about the game uh, that'll be played when you guys come back to uh, to the United States, because obviously it's going to be in a different stadium than Yankee Stadium. And I guess I'm curious to figure out from your perspective what it'll mean if the fans don't come out to uh, to Red Bull Arena to support the club. How will you guys uh, respond to that? Yeah, you know, obviously as players, you know, our, our focus is you know 100 percent on just winning and advancing in the tournament. And, you know, just to be clear, I think we understand that playing outside, you know, the, the five boroughs is inconvenient for our fans. Um, you know, it's, it's not ideal, but, um, you know, we, we understand the frustration, but we need, um, we need everybody out in full force um, to support us in, in our mission. And, you know, our mission is advancing to the next round and they've been, they've been with us through, through thick and thin, through good moments, through bad moments, um, through different environments, and this is just another challenge that we have, I think, as a club um, to, to, to advance. And, and uh, yeah, we, we really hope that um, the fans come out and support us because it really makes a big difference. And it's a huge game um, that we, we want everybody to be involved in. And, um, you know, I think that that's the most important thing um, when, we, when we look at that situation. Uh, yeah, just as far as the season as a whole, obviously looking at the Champions League, uh, it's so early for you guys. But uh, how much do you think it will help you that you have so much of the team back? I mean, obviously a new coach, that's something to, to, to deal with. But it's not always easy to keep a group together. You look at some of these other teams like Atlanta and, and even LAFC, like they've made some, some kind of big changes. How much do you think it's going to help you guys in 2020 to have so much of your of your core group together again? Yeah, continuity. Um, is always, you know, something that you can look at as, as a as a positive thing for us. Um, understanding each other, uh, having those relationships um, that we've we've kind of developed over the over the past, you know, twelve months, uh, thirteen months now with with preseason. Um, those are going to help us going forward in terms of um, you know, sticking together in moments and, and understanding how we all respond to the different situations and. Um, the pieces that we've added to this group, I think, have been have been uh, really, um, really great. Just picking up on on the on the culture and and what we uh, what we've been doing as a group over the past year. So um, it's, it's exciting. I'm happy to have most of the guys return, and really looking forward to uh, to a great year. Hey, Sean, how uh, much have you guys been able to watch of San Carlos coming into this week, and what do you guys uh, expect out of them, and where can they challenge you the most? Yeah, I think, you know, the preparation for San Carlos, um, you know, began once we stepped foot into to preseason. Uh, the coaching staff's done a great job of putting together, um, you know, clips of the San Carlos. Um, you know, obviously they, they played a game, um, you know, in the past in the past couple of days that we've been able to, to kind of um, to watch some guys, you know, um, you know, put a link out and we, we watched the game and, you um, you know, it's just it's important to to realize that you know every game and every situation is going to be different. But you know, the preparation uh, for an opponent is important, um, but it's also important to focus on what we have to do to go down there and be successful. So, uh, as much as we've been focused on San Carlos, I think uh, for us, uh, the real focus has been on on our group and making sure that we're properly prepared to go down there and get the job done. Uh, Sean, adding uh, or asking more about the continuity that uh, you responded to Ivis, uh, but in particular. Uh, four guys in front of you if you take if this were the starters tenor home collins chino and mata and it certainly could be i mean and then yourself uh how much importance is there 
in that area of the field where organization is so critical that you guys have been together for so long and, and, and do have that continuity? Yeah, it's, it's really important. You know, I think especially having, uh, you know, guys that are, that are so close to you on the pitch, you're always connected um, in terms of how we build, how we defend. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's great to have that um, experience together, um, that time together on the pitch. Uh, and training and games off the pitch as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to have um, that continuity, and I think it'll really, it'll really be an important piece. Um, you know, not only just for us as, as a backline and myself, but to, to help everybody around us. Um, you know, in terms of communication, in terms of uh, taking, you know, what we what we've what we've gained as experience over the the past year or two and uh, really apply that to uh, to what we have going on this year. New York City keeper Sean Johnson, his key points. Uh, Rob Vartugian, his keeper coach is back, surviving his fourth head coach, who is Ronnie Dyla. And Johnson talked about Dyla's personality as a, a big change in comparison to Dome Tehran or even Patrick Vieira. And Johnson's plea to supporters to go to Red Bull Arena, the rivals for the second leg of the Champions League, despite the call for a boycott from the supporters group. Uh, and a GA Cup note from the New York City FC Academy, the U15 and U17 teams have finished on top of their GA Cup qualifying groups. Therefore, they are advancing to the Generation Adidas Cup Finals April 4th in Frisco, Texas. I was there last year. It's a tremendous event, competitive uh, Boca Juniors, River Plate, Sao Paulo, Southampton, Olympiacos, Chivas, Red Star Belgrade, uh, Real Betis, Monterrey, Tijuana. All these international clubs along with the top MLS uh, Academy groups that advanced through this GA Cup. So congratulations to the U15 and U17 boys from the New York City FC Academy. Well, there are lots of eyes on the expansion side, Inter-Miami CF. Uh, their first preseason under Diego Alonso, the former Pachuca and Monterrey coach. Uh, Miami opens their regular campaign in 2020 against the 2019 Supporter Shield champion, LAFC, on March the 1st. Uh, the person who has put in the uh, most minutes covering this team is Michelle Kaufman. Uh, she uh, writes for the Miami Herald, and uh, we want to welcome her to On Frame. Michelle, thanks so much. Sure. Happy to be here. Lots to talk about. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, did you get your book deal yet? You could probably write a book even before oh, the I'm season sure, starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's this is this has been a it's been a six year saga. So it's uh, there's been a lot going on, a lot, a lot to write about as a journalist covering the team, for sure. Going back six years to 2014. Well, it really goes back. Uh, it, it dates even before that. Uh, this is David Beckham deal, uh, one of your owners. Uh, he. Uh, and I just want you to confirm this and, and piece it along if there's anything to add. But uh, when he signed that uh, first uh, DP deal uh, with the Galaxy, he had this uh, purchase to uh, purchase an expansion team uh, for the price of $25 million. Now, we know what the, uh, what the current rate is. And I think at the time Inter-Miami came, it was like uh, 200 mil. But uh, is, that, is that literally what was paid for this franchise? Yes. Yeah, that was that was part of the deal. That was part of the deal of, of getting him here. And at that time, I mean, it seems crazy right now, but at that time, that actually was not too far off. If you go back and do research, 
um, that's not too far of what the teams were going for at that time. So All right. that was not, it was not a, it's a super cut rate deal based on the pricing right now. And for, you know, six years ago when he announced that he's going to have a team, but when uh, the going rate at those times was, you know, 25 million, 40 million, 50, it, it wasn't the numbers that it is now. The, the value of the franchises has gone way, way, way up in the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, the most recent Charlotte, over $300 million, at least that was the report. Okay, so uh, it has been a bit of a saga along the way. Uh, I, I suppose in particular, more than anything, like the franchise was born, and obviously they want to play in Miami, and there has been so much uh, debate and discussion as to, as to where the stadium will be built. Is there any clarity uh, on that? I mean, uh, Miami Freedom Park was something that was uh, out there. Is that still on the table? And what can you yeah, tell yeah, us about that? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's still that's still the plan in the you know, that that ran into a lot of politics, which everything does in Miami. Miami's a Miami's a very complicated city politically. So, um, you know, that's the that's been really the biggest hurdle has been Miami politics, which was the case. Even I covered the Miami Fusion, the original Miami uh, MLS team that ended up playing in Fort Lauderdale. Um, but the Miami Fusion way back in 1997, um, they also ended up feuding. The owner then, Ken Horowitz, feuded with the mayor of Miami and ended up picking up the team and moving it to Fort Lauderdale to Lockhart Stadium, which is the exact site where this team is now going to be playing for the first few years. But it's not Lockhart Stadium anymore. They knocked that down. They're spending $130 million dollars for the temporary home, but it will be a permanent home for their USL team. Uh, the stadium is, is 18,000 seats. Um, it's being built right now. It's going to be finished. They're putting the final touches on it for March 14th, which is the home opener against LA galaxy. Um, and that facility training site, it's going to be the full-time permanent training site for the, for the team. There's a 50,000 square foot, training building which i believe is the largest in mls or one of the largest already in mls a big state-of-the-art fifty thousand square foot building with all kinds of you know underwater treadmills and very state-of-the-art training um, equipment and then they have six big giant grass fields to practice on and then a seventh field which is turf that they put 1500 seats on it's going to be used for high school football um so they have seven fields, a 50,000-square-foot training facility, and then the stadium is 18,000 uh, seats. And that is going to be used in the future. for It's going to be their home for the next two years. It could stretch to three at the pace things are going. But the plan is for them to play there in 20 and 21. And uh, after that, it'll be the full-time uh, stadium for the USL team and also for friendlies. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of foreign teams come to train in South Florida in the off season, and and a lot of national teams from Latin America and Central America and the Caribbean play games here. So it will be a site where other teams can come and rent it out and use the training facility, use the practice fields, and use the stadium, which is eighteen thousand seats. So that's where they're going to be for the next couple of years. The Miami Freedom Park is still very much um, in their plans. That is their permanent home. That is their goal. That is what MLS wants. That is what Jorge Mas and David Beckham and the other owners want. It's right in the heart of Miami, which was always the idea from day one. 
Um, they are right now, the, the status of it right now is they are negotiating a lease agreement. Um, Jorge Mas said in the last couple of weeks that he expects that to be done in the next 45 days to two months. And at that point, they will start breaking ground and cleaning up the, you know, they, they found um, they found some chemicals under the dirt, which they expected to. And so they're going to clean that out and do uh, all of that and, and get things started. So, yeah, they still do plan to play in Miami long term. The Fort Lauderdale is right now anyway, to, um, is a part time home for the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh, ironic. They're back in Lockhart Stadium, although. Yeah, same exact site, same exact <laughs> place, but different building, but same exact site as they were. 21 years ago. So did you interview uh, Ray Hudson when he was the coach of the Miami Fusion? And if so, oh, was he yes. the same sort of personality we see on TV and here on the radio now? Oh, yes. Ray Hudson is amazing. Ray Hudson is uh, he's the best thing that ever happened to the Miami Fusion. Um, when they hired him as coach, not only did the team become much better on the field, but the interest in the community grew. You know, the people that were just fringe sports fans, fringe soccer fans were so interested just to see what is Ray going to say next. His post-game press conferences were so much fun that all of the local TV stations would come, even if they didn't care about soccer, they would come just to listen to Ray. So, uh, yeah, Ray is Ray is a, a huge personality down here, and I would hope that Inter-Miami would find some way to get him involved because he is universally loved. Uh, Michelle Kaufman, uh, our guest, uh, writes for the Miami Herald. She'll be covering uh, and has covered uh, Inter-Miami CF, and we've also heard the Miami Fusion. And I know you're, uh, you're, you're born and raised in Miami. It seems like you never left. You went to a high school in Miami. You went to University of Miami, and uh, you've been covering uh, sports there for uh, quite some time. Yeah. No, I did leave. I was actually gone 10 years. After college, I worked at the St. Petersburg Times. Aha. I covered the NFL back then. And then uh, then I went to Detroit. I worked at the Detroit Free Press for seven years. I covered the uh, the 1994 World Cup that had games at the Silverdome on the indoor grass. I covered those games in Detroit back then. So I was in Detroit. Um, and then I came back to Miami, to my hometown in 1996. So All I've right. been at the Herald. I've been at the Herald for 24 years. I've been back in Miami, but I did leave Miami for 10 years, three in St. Pete and seven in very cold, frigid Detroit. <laughs> and that World Cup, wasn't that that was played on that hybrid uh, artificial yeah. surface, right? It was part grass, yeah. part artificial? Yeah, yeah. That was a hybrid that was put together by the grass doctors of Michigan State University. And it was an experiment. And uh, it was really interesting to cover that story. One of the things was that they, I don't think they expected the moisture that came out of that grass inside the dome. The grass looked great, but it was very, very, very humid inside the dome. And especially the people that were sitting in the upper tier of the stadium were very, very hot during those games because all the moisture from the field was going up into the stands and there was nowhere for it to escape to. So it was kind of like a giant sauna. Hey, Michelle, as far as you know, has that technology taken off? I mean, I don't often... Uh, hear about hybrid uh, in American facilities. I I'm just curious. No, I don't think it did take off. I think, uh, you know, it basically was used for that, but I don't think that's, you know, there have been some games here and there where they bring in grass indoors, but for the most part, no. Uh, it, 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 and you talk about the uh, the Fort Lauderdale uh, facility now, the former Lockhart Stadium. Uh, in one of your articles, Will Trapp seemed quite enthused. I mean, is, is this going to be their permanent training facility 
or will that yeah. change also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. No, no, th- that will be their permanent training facility. And most of the players are buying homes in Fort Lauderdale and in Broward County because even if they play their games at, at Miami Freedom Park, that's only going to be 17 dates a year. So their day-to-day training is all going to be done up there. That's where their academy is. That's where the USL team is. That's where the MLS team is going to be based. And their games will be played in Miami, but the training facility will remain in Fort Lauderdale. Wow. The last time I was there uh, with my club team at, at some sort of event and Lockhart Stadium was just long grass and it just looked uh, it was it was kind of depressing knowing what it once was. So I'm, I'm sure people in the area are, are uh, ecstatic. It's been uh, revitalized. Hey, let's get to the uh, the the roster a little bit and. Uh, yeah. the, the very first open scrimmage preseason game was held uh, just a couple of days ago. And, and interesting, Rodolfo Pizarro, uh, who, you know, this is uh, the big signing uh, to this point. He scores a historic first goal, if we're calling it that, since it was a preseason game, but it was yes. public. Uh, and this is a day after he arrived, and he's celebrating his 26th birthday. So like you said, there's always these stories, and this is certainly one of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a great story. I mean, he just arrived from Mexico the day before. He didn't even go through a full training. He just he was jogging and did some conditioning work. And uh, he you know, we all assumed he's just going to travel with the team. There wasn't really any any indication that he was going to play. And then in the 31st minute, he went into the game. And three minutes later, on the fourth touch, his fourth touch on the ball in a team uniform, having never practiced with the team ever, he scored the first goal. So, uh, you know, it will go down in history as the first goal that anybody actually saw for this team. Um, and, yeah, they played against the Philadelphia Union in St. Pete. They're training in St. Petersburg. Um, this week, while their training facility was all getting fi- uh, constructed, they they spent one week training in Miami at Barry University. Then they went to Port St. Lucie for a week. They were in Sarasota at the IMG Academy for a week. And um, they're in St. Petersburg this week training. Um, And so they played a lot of the MLS teams are in Central Florida right now training. Many, many teams are here in Florida because the weather is glorious right now. So um, so they played against Philadelphia. Uh, It was a really close game. It was tied until the 86th minute. And then Philly scored um, in the 86th minute. So ended up winning two to one. But um, for the first game, first public game for Inter Miami, they looked pretty good. They had better moments and worse moments, but they generally are a team that's definitely going to possess the ball. Um, the coach, Diego Alonso, is very big on keeping the ball on the ground, short passes. He you know, does not like long passes. He doesn't like long clearances. Um, so you're going to see a team that, that possesses the ball a lot, that you know moves up the ball from the back, um, and a lot of short passes, a lot of possession. And, um, you know, they still have some work to do, but... They look pretty good. They're a mix of uh, the roster is a mix of MLS veterans like Luis Robles is the goalkeeper. He was a longtime captain at the New York Red Bulls, and he's already emerged as very much of a captain type character on this team. Will Trapp is another one from Columbus, a longtime MLS guy with leadership skills. Those two. And then Ramon Torres, who played for Seattle. He's a Panamanian yeah. and captain of the Panama World Cup team. Uh, national team he is also another guy who's emerging especially among the spanish speakers on the team he's emerging as a leader so some of the the team leaders are tending to be the 
guys who are MLS veterans who understand this league. They know they know what the other teams are. They know what it means to travel to Seattle, to L.A. A lot of these guys coming from South America, they've never had to travel so far for games. They don't really know anything about the teams. They don't know anything about the opposing players. So the MLS veterans are the ones that are kind of leading the ship. Right. And, um, you know, the interesting thing with this team is that it's very, very, very predominantly Hispanic. The coach doesn't speak English. He's They hired an English teacher for him, so he's learning. But the practices are mainly conducted in Spanish with English translators screaming the uh, instructions in English. And um, among the players themselves, the Anglo players are learning Spanish. The Spanish players are learning English. And, uh, you know, it's been kind of fun the, to watch, to and watch the head them all blend together. That's, that's wild. And the head coach is learning English. Uh, Michelle Kaufman, our guest. Hey, back to Pizarro for a second. What, what has the response been from the, the soccer community? Uh, you know, I think globally we don't pick up his name as, as a superstar, but is he, uh, is he a name guy down there? Um, he's not the name guy that they're, they're still, they still have, uh, they still have a DP left right. they're, You know, they're going to sign three DPs. One of them is a young DP, Matias Pellegrini, who came from Argentina, 19 years old. So he's kind of a guy that's a young guy that they're developing. Um, but you know, was, was being wooed by some European teams. So I think they had to pay about $10 million for him. And then Pizarro is obviously in this region, people who watch the Mexican team and have seen the U.S. team play Mexico, have watched the Mexican league, they know of him, but he's not the global superstar that everybody was expecting. You know, David Beckham, Miami, the glitz, the glamour. Um, you know, there's been a lot of expectation for the Miami Inter-Miami team to get a global superstar, and pretty much every name has been floated around. You know, they've talked, they've had serious talks with players like... Um, Edinson Cavani and David Silva and you know they've had some serious conversations with some really big names in Europe but there are also big teams in Europe that are going for the same guys and offering lots and lots of money and Paul McDonough uh, who is the sporting director here and the guy who put together he put together the Atlanta United and he was at Orlando before that and he is very very pragmatic um, he doesn't get wrapped up in what the fans want. He doesn't get wrapped up in who's a celebrity and who's this or that. He basically wants to put together a team that's going to win and not break the bank doing it. So he said the other day, I understand that everybody wants us to just go with a blank checkbook and sign a check for the biggest star we can. And we could do that. We have the money. The ownership has the money to do that. But he doesn't feel it's prudent. He doesn't feel that's the best decision. Um, but they do. They do keep saying that there is one, the one DP that's left, they're saying is going to be somebody that's, you know, that's recognizable and that is going to placate the Miami fans that are dying to have a celebrity here. <laughs> and, yeah. and and they're expected to sign one before the start of the season or early they're portion of the season? To. Yeah, okay. They're hoping to. They're hoping to. If not, it'll be early. Uh, he, you know, he pointed out the other day, Paul, said that, you know, MLS, they have until May 7th. Um, that's really their final window closes on May 7th. So, uh, you know, it could be after the start of the season. They would like it to be at the start of the season. So we'll see. They are in serious conversations with a few players. They have players they're definitely targeting, but they don't, you know, they also, uh, 
Paul McDonough is not just going to pay them whatever they want. So they're they're in some pretty serious negotiations right now. And, and you look at the lineup they put out, Michelle, Michelle Kaufman, Miami Herald, our guest uh, uh, for the uh, the scrimmage against uh, Philadelphia. So, like I said, Robles in goal, and that he's he's a, a natural leader to begin with. So th- there hasn't been a, a, a captain named yet by Alonso, but you might expect that it would be Robles. I would think he would be one of the captains. Yeah, I mean, he's on the players' union. You know, he's he's one of the guys who helped negotiate the new collective bargaining agreement. He's very very much a leader. Um, all the players that I speak to said that. That he has stepped up as a leader. Will Trapp has stepped up as a leader. Ramon Torres has stepped up as a leader. So, and Lee 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 Wen right. um, has also uh, he's also a longtime veteran. Um, you know, played in L.A. and and won championships. And so um, he's another guy that the newcomers are looking to. And would you? It, it's hard to say. I'm sure. But as far as the the lineup that was put out against Philadelphia, do you expect it'll be? Uh, similar on opening day, and and one of the notes, you know, I, I look at a couple of players here. Dylan uh, Nalis uh, at fullback on the right side, just out of college, uh, right. And and then I wanted yeah. to ask you about him, and also Robbie Robinson, who didn't start, but he's the number one draft choice out of Clemson, the uh, the goal scorer uh, on the collegiate level. Is it possible the two college guys will make major contributions? I think the two college guys will make major contributions. Dylan Nalis for sure stepped in as a starter. He was very impressive in camp from everybody that I spoke to. And when they drafted him, uh, you know, he was a four-year player at Georgetown. He was the captain of the team. His brother played in the league. So um, Paul McDonough said when they drafted him, he was the number two pick behind Robbie and said when they drafted him, they said, you know, Dylan is what Paul said is, I think he's the most pro-ready player in the draft they didn't take him first they took Robbie because Robbie's got all this potential and he's a goal scorer but what Paul said is in my opinion Dylan Nealis is the most pro ready player coming out of college a guy who could just step right in and he was captain of his team at Georgetown and he just is a really bright guy who understands the game and was a captain was a leader on the collegiate level played four years so he didn't come out early Um, so Paul was very very high on him and when he came to camp, um, I was hearing from a lot of people that he was really stepping up. And, you know, this is a guy who's coming out of college and playing against some really veteran professional players. And he really stepped up to the point that he started the other day. And, yeah, I think the starting lineup will be very similar to what we saw the other day um, with the addition, of course, of Pizarro will be a starter, of course. And then um, whoever else, uh, there's a guy, Almendra, that they're, that they're, I think, going to sign from Boca Juniors. Um, that's going to probably be announced this week. That's what I'm hearing. So that'll be another guy from Boca Juniors who's a very, very good young player. Um, but that would not be a DP. I think he would come with TAM money or whatever. Um, and then uh, whoever the unknown DP that's still out there <laughs> floating around. Um, so, you know, I would say of the lineup you saw the other day, Probably out of the 11, eight of them will probably be people, eight or nine will be people who start on opening day, which is in two weeks. And uh, Ben Sweat, one of those 11, and New York City FC supporters who are uh, listening in, uh, give us an update on Ben. Uh, there was a closed-door scrimmage, uh, training scrimmage between New York City and uh, Inter-Miami uh, a week or so ago, and uh, saw a lot of pictures of Ben uh, mingling with his uh, former teammates. But how's Ben doing? Yeah, Ben's doing well, too. I mean, he's another guy that, uh, you know, again, another 
there really is quite a bit of, of the 11 that played. Robles has played in MLS. Torres played MLS. Sweat, Trap, Victor Aloa started in midfield. He's another veteran guy. And uh, and when so Juan Agudelo. So, you know, there's plenty of MLS veterans on this team. Uh, the new guys are, you know, mostly South American players and then the Mexican player. Um, but Ben Sweat is another guy that's really come in the back line. I think he really wanted to have a lot of MLS experience. And, uh, you know, because he's blending in Dylan Nealis and he's blending in Nico Figal has been really, really good. He's an Argentine player that came in. He's another starter on, on the on the back line. So Ben Sweat um, has played very well in preseason. You know, obviously he's a, a veteran guy. I heard that the t- I was not at that closed door scrimmage, but I did hear that Miami had a great game against New York, um, that it was a very, very close game. And Miami, you know, played very well in that game. I didn't see it, but that's what I heard. So. Well, anyway, uh, we'll see what word, it's word, interesting. Word yeah. got out. Word got out. It was a one one draw. And uh-huh. uh, beyond that, uh, we're not sure. That was uh, <laughs> right. You know, right. Well, my- well, they were very happy if, if it was a one one draw. What I heard is that the inner Miami guys and coaches were very, very pleased with the way they played, that they were able to keep up with a team that's, you know, a good team, a playoff team from MLS. And this was only their second scrimmage, period. So they'd had one against the Charleston Battery. Um, at the very, you know, right away at the beginning of camp. Yeah. And then this was their second, only their second time playing. So um, I think they've been pretty pleased with their progress so far. Obviously, you know, this is a team where everyone's just getting to know each other and, you know, they're blending and gelling and they still have parts, you know, puzzle pieces that still are not in place. So um, they're a work in progress. They're not going to be as ready on on March 1st as as LAFC, which is a very, very tough opener on national TV, on ESPN. Uh, that's a pretty tall order for an expansion team. Damn, uh, two of your first three matches against the L.A. sides, and then you get Chicharito uh, in, right. in game three of the season for your home opener, which will uh, add to the festivities, uh, I'm sure, uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Hey, one final question, and this is an off-the-field yep. thing, which I find pretty remarkable, the uh, the trademark dispute using the word Inter, and uh, we've got yeah. the fabled Inter Milan uh, putting up a fuss. So what, could you, what's going right. on with that? And it, it, is yeah, Miami... I don't think anything's, yeah, I right. don't think anything's going to mount of that. That was um, a kind of a much ado about nothing, to be honest. Uh, not nothing, I mean, but it's, it's a trademark. Uh, Inter Milan, um, many years ago in 2014, put in a request with the U.S. Trademark Office to have Inter be a U.S. trademark. Um, that still had not passed. And here we are six years later. They're still debating whether Inter should be a brand in the United States because Inter is really part. It's really short for the word international and international is not really a word that you can trademark. Um, also, there are many other teams that have Inter in them. Right. And so, uh, you know, so they, they've been debating whether Inter should be a U.S. brand or not. The Inter Miami doesn't market itself as Inter Miami, but it certainly would prefer if any, you know, part of the word Inter is not uh, trademarked in the United States. But even if it were to be, if the trademark office were to decide that the word Inter is exclusive to Inter Milan and that everybody who hears the word Inter in the United States, every random person who hears the word Inter would automatically say Inter Milan. If that were the case, 
uh, Inter Miami would still be called Inter Miami. They would not have to change their name. I see. Their name would still be Inter Miami. They just would not be able to market themselves with Inter. Um, right. They could just. They would have to say Inter Miami or Miami. So what? Do, um, they could. What, yeah. what do I call? What do I call the club? Uh, calling a radio uh, on the radio. What? 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 Am I, what's? What are they going to be referred to as? What's going to be acceptable? Inter Miami uh, or Miami? Can I just say Miami? Well, you can say Miami. You can All say right. Miami. You can say Inter Miami. Um, <laughs> they're calling. They're calling them La Rosa y Negra. All right. So the pink and black. The pink and black is you know kind of in the Spanish tradition of uh you know they're they're calling them rosa y negra okay um so that's you know the pink and black um and it doesn't mean the black rose i speak spanish i know some people have said to me that means black rose that's not what they're going for they're going for pink and black because those are their colors um well as long and, as i can uh, roll roll the r properly i'll go with it la rosa negra is that good right all right right okay. rosa y negra rosa y negra, y negra okay. in the middle right y the negra. pink and black okay. pink and black <laughs> okay yes well, Michelle, <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much. It's uh, Michelle sure. Kaufman from the Miami Herald. She covers Inter Miami CF, La Rosa y Negra. And, there you uh, go. But, Sounds good. Hey, thanks. And uh, enjoy the uh, the beat. I'm sure there'll be uh, more interest and uh, with that final DP announcement coming soon. Thank you, Michelle. Right. All right. Thanks. Nice talking to you. Well, there's another ex-NYCFC employee hanging with Inter Miami CF. That's the former city head coach, Jason Kreiss. He had been named Senior Academy Director for Miami after his departure from Orlando City, but has since been named the head coach of Inter-Miami's USL League One side, Fort Lauderdale CF. He's going to miss a decent portion of the season. Kreis, the head coach of the U.S. U23s, with Olympic qualifying ahead soon. The U.S. trying to qualify for the Olympic Games for the first time since 2008. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks to Sean Johnson, Ronnie Dyla, and Michelle Kaufman. This is Glenn Crooks on Frame.